Welcome to session 169 of the Scanner School Podcast. We teach you everything to know about the Scanner Radio Hobby. Today's podcast is sponsored by this month's webinar, Why Every Scanner User Needs a Software-Defined Radio, the number one underrated tool that should be in your setup. This free live webinar will be held March 23rd, 2021 at 8 p.m. Eastern U.S. Time. Virtual seats are limited, and you can sign up at scannerschool.com slash webinar. If you're listening to this in the future where you cannot make the webinar, you can always catch the replay at scannerschool.com slash webinar. All notes from today's podcast can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 169. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Blurpy Benner, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, David C., Denny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Eddie K., Edward Bramblett, Evan Barak, Gary Fletcher, Guy Lee, James Broxson, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Tim Mazza, Ted Glendie, and William R. Cand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LAE, and welcome to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby, and we are looking to help you with your scanner radio questions. If something about this hobby has you stumped, please fill out the form or click on the speak pipe button at scannerschool.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 516-308-2885. We will answer your questions on a future Ask Scanner School episode, which releases on the first Tuesday of every month. One lucky person will receive a free tutoring session if they leave us a voicemail or a speak pipe question. So today we have Alex Ruma the author and creator of SDR++. SDR++ is free, open source, and cross-platform software for your software-defined radios. What makes SDR++ pretty awesome, besides the fact that anyone with coding background can actually be a part of this project and help Alex with the software, is that Alex created the software out of necessity. And not only that, but Alex is almost a full-time student. 
So he's doing this in his part time. And not only does Alex create and work on SDR++ in his free time, but he's also building a community around his software on Discord. So we'll have more information on his community, the software, and how you can help support his efforts via Patreon or with coding in the session notes at scannerschool.com slash session 169. So let's get right into this week's interview with Alex. Alex, welcome to this week's podcast. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Thank you so much for being a guest this week on the Scanner School podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. No problem. Thanks for uh, having me on. No problem. So you have the honor of being the first overseas guest on the podcast. I've had somebody who was out of the U.S. who was up in Canada, but you are now clear across the globe for me. So it's really cool to have you on and also an honor. So just so we get a little bit of background, uh, where are you located right now? Where, where do you live? Well, I'm, I'm, I currently live in Belgium in a small city. Well, not really a small city, but it's called Viege. And it's okay. in the south of Belgium. Excellent. So, uh, so well over there. Excellent. And, uh, what is, what's your typical background? What, what got you started into what we're eventually going to talk about in a few minutes? Well, I actually, like three years ago, I saw a video by, uh, the Fog Emporium where he received some satellites, some weather satellites, Meteor M1, and uh, I think it was uh, an OAA-19, and it got me really interested in radio, and I wanted to give it a go, so I bought an RTL dongle and just tried to experiment with it. Gotcha. So that was basically your introduction to radio in general, then, it's just watching some uh, yep. other people doing what they're doing. Excellent. I had tried to do some hardware stuff before, but it was just mm -hmm. too complicated, so I kind of gave up and... Just did some microcontrollers and stuff that's much easier than, like RF is, is kind of cursed, so <laughs> I kind of okay. gave up on that. Gotcha. All right, really cool. So so you just jumped right into software-defined radios then. You never got into any other type of radio monitoring or anything else like that. Yep. I mean, this was really your first your first yep. try at radios. Exactly. Excellent. All right. So what besides the weather, satellite type of uh receptions and stuff like that was that all you were really doing with the software defined radios at that time uh, I've, I've tried to do hf but since i live in a city it's it's been really bad i sometimes can receive some stuff like i got some uh, now that i have some much better radios it's a bit better but it, it's almost impossible so i'm kind of just uh staying on satellite since that's a bit uh there are a bit less interference in, in the city gotcha okay so let's talk about what it is you do so you develop i'll let you spill the beans on this one though but what what's currently your uh your passion project right now i'm working on uh general purpose sdr receiver software called sdr plus plus which is basically like the same ui as the oldest dr sharp but with some more modern functionality that that wasn't in the original sdr shop like multi vfo and more importantly, multi-platform uh, support. So it, it can run on basically any POSIX operating system or Windows. So Mac OS or Linux, everything supported. That's excellent. That That's actually multi-platform because I, I live in a multi-platform environment. I mean, I'm, I'm forced into Windows to do a lot of the radio stuff. I prefer Mac because... Um, I'm I'm snobby that way, but I also do a lot of stuff in Linux. So in order to have one piece of software instead of having two pieces of software to play with my SDRs, that's 
that's great because once you get it home into one piece of software, you know, it makes life a little bit easier for you. So for people who don't know, because we have a lot of different people listening to the podcast, can you explain what multi-VFO is? Well, multi-VFO is the ability for an SDR software to basically receive multiple signals at once if they fit in the SDR's bandwidth. So it's basically just duplicating the signal processing a number of times and uh, m- making it easier for people to just select one, move it around. Like, like for example, in, in GTRX, like I think it's the most used SDR software on Linux. You, you have one little cursor you can move around to receive different signals. Well, with multi-VFO, you can basically just add some and uh, just route the audio where you want it to go and uh, do multiple things at once, which is, can be really useful. Like for example, uh, I showed a demo on Twitter of demodulating several arrow channels on Inmerset with uh, simply just adding two radio VFOs and routing one with audio cables to one instant of Jero, which is um, just a demodulation program for Inmerset. And so I, I think that's uh, basically the best explanation I can give of uh, what multi-VFO is. It's just multitasking for SDR software. Right, right. Yeah, and to say another way, it's, it's basically what a lot of people are, are requesting what happens in a scanner radio. The ability to listen to one frequency and then listen to a second frequency without losing the ability to listen to the first one at the same time. So it's really cool that your software can do that because I know in the – in the hardware world and scanner radios, that's something that people have been asking about. So to be able to pick up a RTL SDR and plug in your software to it and be able to do something like that is, 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 is really cool. And I also see another general purpose for this as well, because there's um, in the aviation monitoring world, there's a cars, right? And that's the, the messaging between the ground and the, and airplanes, right? It's text, text based messaging. And there isn't just one, frequency right there's multiple frequencies in in a car especially where i'm monitoring over here and if i want to bring in all these different a cars frequencies into an arc a car decoder or whatever i need to have multiple dongles set up multiple rtl sticks multiple pieces of software running to monitor each frequency and then i would need to just watch the screen a hundred times right one for each frequency yep Sounds like with your software, what you can do is you can bring in one RTL SDR, run it through SDR++, pick each one of these ACAR frequencies as a VFO. Yep. Then you could pipe each one independently out to a, or I guess together, right, to a to a uh, virtual yep. audio you, cable. You just, yeah, you, you just need multiple ones because I, yeah, I, I only have one on mine. I installed mm-hmm. the second one, but uh, they're pretty expensive, so... <laughs> I didn't get them yet. <laughs> right. Well, I, I have a – I forget which plugin it is. I think it's VB Cable or VB Audio. Yep. I think it's $25 for a license that gets you a couple more yeah. virtual cables, and I've, I paid for that. But it's just a matter of bringing them all in together into a mixer so that it all comes out. I think I've, I think that his same website actually has a mixer software that you can do that with, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But, I think I forgot the name, but I think, yeah, it's, uh, I think I'll try to find it. But yep. It's, but yeah, it's, it's, it would be a way of bringing all these ACARS frequencies in at once. So you can monitor them all together. Now, again, if two came up at the same time, you'd probably get jumbling, 
But it's a lot easier to do that than it is to monitor five frequencies with five dongles with five pieces of software. So the ability that your software can handle that is uh, is really cool. And I don't think there's so like you said, software out there that does that now. I think is it's, it's I know Unitrunker can handle yeah. it, and Trunk S, yeah, Trunk SDR can handle that. But they're specific for what they do. They're not general purpose. Yeah, I, I think the only one open source that can do it is um, Cubic SDR. But it's okay. kind of a pain to set up and use. So, Gotcha. And your software, you said, is multi-platform. So, again, Linux, Windows, and, uh, and Mac. OS X and, and even BSD, actually. Oh, nice. Nice. And I know that's a kind of a, a subset of itself. But you said it's it's open source or it's not open source? Yeah, it's fully open, open source. It's okay. on GitHub. So if anyone gotcha. wants to pull the source, I actually recommend building from source right now because... I tend to not really release it often because I make so many mm-hmm. changes. It's it's kind of annoying to like make one release every week and then uh, having to support every single one. So I mainly encourage people to get the source directly and build it for best results. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's let's slow up a little bit more with this one. So it's open source, which basically means anybody can go ahead and just grab the program, right? There's exactly. there's no download fee or anything else like that. And the code is open, right? So people can look at the code and see what the code does. And yep. are they invited then to make changes to the code or and, and submit? Yeah, they, oh. they can basically do anything with it. It's just it's mm-hmm. licensed under GPL. So okay. if uh, they make changes, uh, I'd really like them to submit them back so that I can improve the software. But generally, and that you can also do allows anything you want. Okay, and that allows more people to help you out to build the software out and accelerate development as well. Exactly, yeah. I, I've actually had multiple people uh, submit code and even performance improvements, which has nice. been really nice because multiple people working on one project makes development much faster and easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because instead of you having to work on all the modules, you know, you, you, you get people to do it. And again, you're working on it as well as everybody else is working on it, kind of like in a hobby state right now, right? Yep. I mean, it's like, it's just something that, that's keeping you going and keeping your interest. And I've been watching your updates for quite some time over on Twitter and seeing what you guys have been doing. But it, again, explain what GitHub is. I guess I'm trying to simplify what it is that you're doing because we do have people who are who, who just listen to scanners and, and don't really understand how the you know, the uh, the software end of things work, they're used to just click on a zip file and executable file. So can you break down what GitHub is and, and how somebody would use it? Yes. So um, GitHub is online platform for source management tool called Git. It's basically just some software that keeps tracks of edits you do to source code and manages it intelligently. And GitHub just provides an online interface for it and uh, makes it really easy to browse the source code online or download it or basically just do version control in uh, an easy and, uh, I guess, user-friendly way. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a great explanation of that one. What I like, too, about GitHub, too, is if you go into somebody's project, you can tell when the last time a particular file was last updated, when it was last packaged. So you, you can really keep a running log of what's happening there. And using software on your computer, which isn't that difficult to set up, by the way, you can actually do a Git and then grab the latest updates, and it will pull anything that's new, and you can re, you said you can re recompile the software and take the updates so 
I know that's another stumbling block that people have is uh, compiling software on their own computer. So can you explain how they shouldn't be worried about compiling software and that it's not something that should be afraid of? <laughs> well, I, I guess what's, what's involved on, with compiling? Well, if you're on Windows, I guess it, it can be hard, but, yes. but yes. mostly on Linux, it, it's easier pretty much every day. It used to be really annoying to find the dependencies and just try to get it to work because usually it was dependent on some machine-specific stuff. But now with CMake and uh, CMake by voice, it's it's a way to just make building code, so like make files or Visual Studio files automatically and make it cross-platform so that uh, any computer can have its own build environment and not required to have Make and GCC and everything. It basically ma- makes it easier for people to, to compile code on multiple systems. And right. and so, it, yeah, it's basically yeah. just type three commands and you've got an executable. It's really simple. Yes, and that's the thing. There's, there's, it is overwhelming. I mean, I know the first time I was playing around with something and I had to compile something, I'm like, well, I'm not a programmer. And then you realize, well, I don't have to be a programmer. All I'm really doing is you're manually building all of these little files that are in the GitHub. You're putting them together into computer language, whereas right now they're in readable language. And you're just telling the computer, like, okay, these are the files. Make make an executable, make an executable file out of this, and the dependencies. And then the next step is install it. Then the final step is run it. So you're really not when you compile something, you're just following directions, which is yeah. like you said, three commands. You're just you, waiting you for the computer to do its thing. Copy paste it, yeah. Yes, yes, and even some of that's in the readme files in a lot of places, or right in the you know description of the files as well. So um, it's really not that difficult. And once you get something up and running, it's great. And if you do have you know, an issue, typically you can find help online or um, how to work around that. So um, I got a question for you, though. SDR++, will that run on a Raspberry Pi if you tried that? Uh, I've actually had some users that tried an old version that wasn't really uh, optimized. So it, okay. it had kind of some issue above three megasamples per second. but. Okay. I think the most recent version should run. I, I actually don't have a, a working Raspberry Pi right now. My my Pi Free died a few months ago, and I haven't bought one yet. But I'll okay. try it as soon as I can. Actually. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know a lot of people too. They like to buy these Raspberry Pis, and they're introductions for them into the Linux world. So I know there's. Other, I was only asking because I know there's other software out there that will run on the Pi, but you have to manipulate the software, like turn off the waterfall display and turn off this. But a lot of that's what makes SDR plus plus what it is, is is the ability to see the waterfall display and, and to click on things. So I was just curious if how, how well, if at all it worked on there. So, but uh, sounds like that is, that would be something that might be in development as well. So what radio hardware are you using in SDR++? What are you supporting right now? I try to support basically anything I either have or uh, that I can buy for cheap or that a okay. company can send me. So right now I have support for SDR Play, all the Air Spies, the HackRF, the RTL SDR, uh, RTL TCP. And even if I can't support one directly, I also have SOAPY SDR module that can just take any SDR that I can't support personally right now. So people who have Lime SDRs or Blade RF can still use the software without issue, mostly. 
like there will be some missing options, but mm-hmm. it, it's mostly usable. Very nice. So it sounds like not only are you open source, but you are you're supporting most of the hardware that's even out there. Yep. And I try to support it because I I know like uh, software like SDR Sharp is, is closing more and more the API to write source source modules. So I try to support as much as I can so people can can use their hardware without limitations. Right. And that's that's always been uh, a stone block too because I know with other software I use it's you know can I run my SDR play on this one. No, there's no support for the SDR play. Well, great. I bought this because it does 10 mega, you know, mega samples, whatever it is that it, that it runs. And it, it just, it's, it runs its own little thing, but it will work on the hack RF. And, you know, there's, it's a little bit more money for the hack RF, but it doesn't stop me from buying that stuff. But <laughs> it's one of these things that a lot of the software out there, you, you will find stumbling blocks or you'll find proprietary software that runs really well on that piece of software or, doesn't really work well at all so it's nice that you're kind of building a little swiss army knife here right you've got a cross-platform piece of software you've got the ability to have people contribute to your software and you've got the ability to run on most commercially available sdr hardware that's out there as well which really opens up the the need and the in the use case for something like sdr plus plus so how how long has SDR++ been out in the wild? When did you start developing it? I started developing it uh, last year in June, while lockdown, because I was kind of bored and wanted something to oh. do. And then I just continued developing it through the past six months. So, yeah, it's, it's not really old yet, but... No, yeah. not at all. It's still very fairly new. That's 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 excellent. So this basically, you said you were looking for something to do, so you sat down and started building your own software. Yep. Excellent. And also, I, I kind of had a need for it because I'm switching to Linux as my main operating system. Okay. And GQRX is is too bare bones for me, so I wanted something like kind of SDR Sharp equivalent, gotcha. and with uh, more capabilities. Yeah. So it's the old. Necessity is uh, was it necessity something something modern invention I forget what, <laughs> but yeah so you had the need for this piece of software that wasn't existing so you went ahead and created it yourself yep. which is which is really amazing and then in turn this is what the outcome is is what you're working on now so as we're recording this now about just shy of a year or a little bit more than six months this instance was was birthed so are you still in I guess, would you call it alpha, beta, or you actually have full release candidates out there now? Well, I guess it's still beta because I'm missing a lot of stuff. The code is okay. still kind of stable, so I'm not quite ready yet to call it like a release candidate, but I think within three or four months, I should have a good release candidate that's stable and has most of the features I want in it. Excellent. What kind of features are you looking at bringing in? Mostly audio filtering and uh, more options for uh, the file source because right now it's pretty broken. Okay. It's like it's it's not even loading most files properly, so I need to work on that a lot. But yeah, it's mostly getting it up to speed with most SDR software that has, I guess, more complicated DSP options. Right. And again, too, I mean, you're, you're just building the software now. Some of this other software has been out there for, yep. for years and years now. So you've got some catching up to do as far as that. But again, you've got people helping you out. So it's not just you working on it, which is really, really unbelievable. So 
is there the ability to add plugins also to your software or is everything yep. going to be like just built into it? Yep, it's it's actually fully modular. Even the, the radio, the recorder, pretty much almost every menu is its own module. So okay. you and the, the interface is pretty simple, so anyone can very easily add what they need or or write some uh, some useful plugins. Excellent. That makes things easier for you too, as well, because you're just worried about building the core piece of software, yep. and then everything else just just plugs right into it. So yep. uh, excellent, excellent. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com slash support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every scanner reader user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers, having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session.
National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. So I assume, too, that you've got a whole community you know, if you've got people helping you out, you must have a community as well. Would you explain where people can, if they if they have interest in helping you out, they want to find out more information about what SDR plus plus is? Where would they where would they go? Uh, I guess they, they can go to the GitHub and most importantly the Discord server we have, where we we just okay. develop uh, the software and sometimes just talk about radio in general. But we mostly try to keep it on topic for SDR plus plus development. Gotcha. How often, again, I think you, you catched on before, though, how often do you have a an update to SDR++? Are you, are you saying you don't you don't compile it all the time for Windows, but on the other platforms, I mean, how often does it does the code change? Well, I pretty much there are several comments per day at this point. I think sometime wow. I, I pushed like 20 comments in one day, but because I was trying to fix the bug. But yeah, I'm really trying to to develop it as quickly as I can with the time that I have. <laughs> in uni, I, I don't have as much time as I had in school. So uh, it's a bit harder now, but I'm still trying to keep to keep up the, the rhythm. Gotcha. So you're you're still in university. So you're, you're, you're a young guy then. <laughs> just, yep. just plugging away. Excellent. Nice, nice. It's nice to see the young guys get involved with this as well. So you, you were cross-platform, cross-hardware. I think a lot of the questions that a lot of people have too is are what modes are you supporting in the core program as well with SDR plus plus? Is it just analog or are you doing anything else? Uh, right now the only modules I have are for analog, but I'm working on some satellite decoders and maybe even some Tetra or P twenty five, but I'm still okay. learning digital. I- I haven't quite gotten good enough at DSP yet to write because because everything is from scratch. So I, I can't just use uh, GNU Radio and use GR, uh, etc., or something like this to get my my code working. I, I really need to write it from scratch. So it's gotcha, really gotcha. hard. So you're to not breaking. Digital. Yeah, so you're not pulling from another source like OP25 to plug it in. Nope. You're actually creating everything. Yep. That's that's awesome. And again, too, it's. It's analog only at this point, but is it the typical analog modulation scheme? So it'd be like FM, wide FM, AM, sideband, yep. and those kinds it of things? Every mode that's supported by default on SDR Sharp or GQRX okay. is supported. Okay. And then you keep saying GQRX. So again, too, so for people who don't understand what that piece of software is, you want to just break down what that does and what that's for? Well, it's, it's just a general purpose receiver for, for mm-hmm. Linux that's open source. There are also Windows build, but there's no really re- a reason to use it on Windows. But it's right. pretty much just a bare bones radio receiver that uses, I think it uses Osmocom to, to interface with radios. So it also supports pretty much every hardware out there, but it's kind of, kind of bare bones. Right. And if you're used to Linux, types of software it's it's very linux right it's from the sliders to everything else in the font and the whole deal it fits the mold of a 
of, of that kind of graphical utility, at least the kind of stuff I was very familiar with back in the day. So you're, you're just building on the ability to, to really make it look much better than it could. I mean, uh, GPRX, right? Never, never got there. I've used it on Linux. You know, it, 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 it's functional. It gets you there. It gets you receiving and everything else. But again, it's not as pretty as the eye candy as some of the Windows pieces of software that are out there. But again, too, with what SDR++ is doing, you're bringing all that prettiness into the Linux world. And again, GPRX is only, I think, one of the few things that two that work on the Mac. I know I've spun it on here as well. So I'll definitely be checking out the code here on on uh, my Mac as well. I wasn't I wasn't aware of the fact that you went on the worked in here as well. So is it is does it fall back on Java or is it something that's just the way your code is written that it allows to be uh, multi-platform? Uh, no, it's it's just C++, but it's not okay. using any uh, operating system-dependent code. And in some part, it has to, but I've made it so that it can be... Uh, it detects what operating system it's being compiled on and uses mm-hmm. uh, the appropriate code. Gotcha. So, okay. so if somebody is interested in, in playing with SDR++, they've never compiled code, though. Do you have any resources available to guide somebody through the process? Uh, yep. Uh, they can just read for readme. There are commands they can just copy-paste, and it should work on most Linux distros. There, there are some small issues with uh, Debian SID, but, uh, which is the like the, the beta testing platform of Debian, but okay. uh, otherwise it works for most people. And if they still have an issue, they can just ask on the Discord, and I'm usually there to to help, or someone else can help too. It's it's really uh, it's not magic. It's it's pretty simple. <laughs> that's that's what we call FM though. It's it's freaking magic. Yep. So it's it's although we use a different word there to we, we you know I don't want to use in the podcast, but yeah. So that's how we explain FM over here. But um, but excellent. And then again too, it's um the Discord server as well. Why don't you break that down? Because I I am I've, I am on Discord. I'm on your server as well. And it's something that I've been thinking about doing with with my group as well. Because I I, I tried doing a a group on my on my website which was too clunky. I wasn't too thrilled with that one. I've been on Facebook and, and all that stuff, but um, break down the discord server. Cause, cause we may get some people on here that are, that are already on discord or may be interested in what discord is, but can you break down what it is that discord does and how it helps you out with SDR plus plus and, and how it helps you build the community and, and, and get to know people who are actually part of the project. Yep. So discord is a social media platform that allows you to, create what's called a server where uh, member people can join it, interact with your community. You, you can create, you can separate uh, discussion subjects and so-called channels. So everything stays tidy and uh, comprehensible to, to everyone. And it's basically just a forum, but as an app, I guess that's the, the best way you could describe it. Everyone can have a, his own forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty useful for communities because, I mean, most people have it. I, I guess in, in young people, I guess most people who who've been on, on the web longer maybe use uh, IRC or I guess Matrix Chat more more recently. But yes, that's a good way of comparing it. Yes, yes, I forgot about IRC. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Yes, spent many hours in IRCs as well. So, again, yeah, it's it's a good way of putting it out there, right? It's a community based 
server that everybody joins a server based on a topic and each server is broken down into smaller topics. So in fact, I'll bring yours up here on my end and let me just click on it. So if you if somebody joins the SDR++, they'll find out that that's the server and it's very chat-based. And again, it, this was a lot of people who are into gaming, right? That's really who, who use Discord a lot. And that's kind of what kept me away from Discord was it just didn't, I'm not a gamer, but yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it used to be really that mindset focus. Yes, yes. yes. And in fact, a lot of software I use now too, they have Discord servers. So instead of having a website where you get an FAQ or they say, oh, you know, ask us for help on Facebook or Twitter. They say, no, join our Discord server. And they'll actually have rooms inside the Discord server where they'll have server announcements, such as this server is going down today for 15 minutes at this time. Or they'll have enhancements and they'll say, this is coming, rolling out, check for it in a week or two, or an off-topic thing. So you've got, you know, again, you've got a group set up with subgroups. And again, you have rules, announcements, and releases where it's basically just you pushing information out. Then you've got a general group where it's SDR and ham radio, programming and off-topic. And then you've got development groups and support groups. But what's really cool about it too, and again, what brings it back to the, the gaming world is you do have the ability to do push-to-talk. And Signals Everywhere has a Discord server as well. And again, they break down a lot of the same stuff on their Discord. So where you've got ham radio and, and you've got the projects they're working on, you've got SDR stuff, is all on theirs. And I'm also on another group's Discord now as well, which is the TGIF, I think it's the 1033 group, where it's uh, they call themselves the Scanner Junkies. And again, they have broken themselves down into rail scanning and SDR and ADSB and even their DMR net that they run on a weekly net. And so it's getting, in fact, I'm even on a ham radio one too. So again, it's it's breaking away from the gaming world and that whole cloud that overheld them. And it's people are starting to find out that Discord is is coming and don't be surprised if Scanner School ends up on Discord with its own group sometime soon. That's actually something I've been looking at and uh, which kind of led me down where you are and that actually allowed us to connect, right? We connected through Discord as well. So it, it shouldn't be discounted as, as, a, as a server. And again, too, it's... It's nice because it takes people off of Facebook where a lot of people don't like what's going on there as far as whether it be your your political views, you don't want to see everybody else's nonsense or you feel like they're being over-censored or you don't want to be under, you know, what um, Zuckerberg is, is promoting or doing that, you know, whatever he wants to do. It's it's a nice community that is, is open, it's free, and it gives you some benefits and it's secure and there's nobody really in there on the top side down monitoring what's going on. I mean, you see what comes over there and you can be alerted on your phone, which makes community you know, enhancements even that much more real-time and realistic and, and everything else. So I think you did a good job with the Discord server as well. So is there anything else that SDR++ has been doing or that we haven't yet talked about yet? Well, I guess we haven't really talked about, I guess it's performance compared to okay. offer software. It's- sure, let's go there. So I've pretty much been working uh, really hard to make it as optimized as possible because I I had issues with GQRX, actually. I, I don't have the best laptop. It's just uh, an old ThinkPad with, with uh, I think, a 4th Gen i7, so it's not really the, 
most powerful thing, but I I had some issues trying to run a, a hack RF at 20 mega samples per second, and now as job just just does it so, with no issues. It's the advantage of using uh, custom DSP and not using GNU radio. That's I mean it's it, it's fast, but it's kind of bloated for for such a simple application like maybe for receiving uh, satellites and doing modulation it's great but just for receiving uh, fm signals or just browsing the spectrum it's a bit overkill gotcha and, and again that's what that's that brings right to the point where i was saying before and i i completely flubbed it but it was necessities the mother of all invention and that's exactly what you did here right so you, you needed a piece of software and again, I misspoke before. It was GQRX. I, I wrote it down here because it didn't sound right. When I said GPRX because I got I got roped in the general purpose receiver. But that's that's cool though that you got something that's that's working well on limited resources, and and that's what you needed to run under. So you've kind of set yourself up to work on on an environment like that one. And again, that's that's how a lot of people get started in Linux, right? Is they have an old desktop or a laptop that's kind of just hanging around that's a couple of years old and that's what lets them dive into linux right is is well i can either recycle or throw out this laptop or i could try something new with it and i've taken several laptops and desktops and converted them over to linux because it just brings new life into them right the hardware requirements aren't what they are in a windows machine or a mac right it's it's a lot less intensive and it sounds like with your software you're able to take an operating system that doesn't need a high performance machine and then you've allowed it to work on even that much more of a, a limited machine yep, you know exactly. like you're saying it was it's an older machine so how old is that laptop just so we have an idea how old is that uh, laptop that you're working off of it's a 2012 thinkpad t430 okay. i think i think it's 2012 i'd have to check but it's, it's a t430 and it has a one of the old i7s dual core with hyperfetting it's it's really nothing uh, special like it's gotcha. really old but still runs fine so i wouldn't just throw it away i just run linux on it and it's still usable right right well i'll, I'll try my machine because i have an old i3 on my laptop so it should run fine in there as well <laughs> I, I actually so. know someone who tried um running a hack rf at max speed on an i3 and he managed uh -huh. to do a 30 percent cpu with it we really? with a uh, waterfall showing, yep. Nice, nice. And that's that's still on the Linux, all right? That's not on the Windows. Yep. No, no, Windows couldn't. I mean, it's <laughs> just Windows itself would destroy that I3. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I find that out pretty quickly myself here as well. But um, it was a bargain machine I bought at the time that I just needed a Windows laptop, and that's what I went with. And it's like... You always go, I should have spent a little bit more money. It's never enough, you know, when it comes to performance because you end up starving somewhere along the line really quick. But again, these are things that people won't necessarily see on an RTL SDR or a new electrical that's bringing in 2.4 megabits a second because they're yeah, just not. Absolutely. Right. It's yeah, when you. Yeah, when you're doing times ten on that, right? When you're bringing in twenty, that's a lot of that's a lot of RF to bring in and. That's the world that I like to live in, though, because you can look at the spectrum in two and a half megahertz chunks, but why would you want to do that if you can bring in 20? And that's when you see like the whole band, right? Here in the States, we've got a public safety band that goes from about 450 to about 512. So you can bring in 450 to 470. And that will show you, right, what's going on everywhere. 
and then you can zoom in on it and everything else. So to be able to do that and to, and again, trying to find where things are, right? They just installed in my house this past week a, um, a smart meter, and I'm not really that thrilled about it. But I know now using your software and my hack RF, I can why I can look from like 902 to 920, 922 and see if I can see the blips and where the spikes are, right? By using, I guess you've got a peak meter on there as well. And I should be able to really quickly find w- my smart meter and then dive into that one and then find out the serial number layers on that one and then start looking at the code that way. Whereas if I was going to do that with an RTL SDR at 2.4, it would take me the better part of a day <laughs> to try and yeah. find the signal. So it, yeah, have, having the bigger hardware and having the ability to bring all that in. And again, as you're building the software to, to do that quickly and efficiently, I mean, that's unbelievable. So where do you see SDR plus plus going in the future? I mean, what, what is on your wish list? Well, I, I really wanted to, to become, I guess, as good, as SDR Sharp, which has a lot of plugins for pretty much anything. And I would really like to, to have the same options in SDR++ so that Linux users don't have to run a Windows VM or uh, use proprietary software just to get those features. And right now, I'm mostly working on trying to get weather satellite decoders built in. So, well, I guess as modules, but just to so you wouldn't... Uh, be required to use external software for Meteor and uh, NOAA, pretty much the things I started with, mm. which used to be kind of annoying. Like you had to record audio and you had to run it through, um, I can't remember the name on Windows of the software, but basically you recorded audio and you had to resample it to a certain speed. Otherwise the software wouldn't work. It's, it's right. completely ridiculous. And then finally you get an image and I think that's a bit annoying. So I want to make it, make something built in that would directly decode the signals from the satellites and not require anything external. Nice. So again, you're simplifying the process. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. I've, I've never played around with Meteor myself, but I've seen the process and exactly how you, how you describe it. You got to record it then you have to post process it. And as you're playing back that audio, then you get the images. So it's, it could be kind of lengthy to find out if things are working for you or not until you get things dialed in because you don't know until you go ahead and do the playback and then you don't know when things are broken. So that's really cool. You're working on that one. And I assume too, right? You can pipe out to a virtual cable. So if somebody wanted to use SDR plus plus as a front end to say DSD plus, I mean, they could make that as well with SDR plus plus then, right? Yep, they just need to uh, select uh, the audio cable as the audio output, and it would directly just send the audio to to your software. Excellent. So it sounds like, I mean, you are you, you've you know where you want to go with the software. Time right now is really what's what's going on. Yep. So it's great that you've got help doing that. Say we've got some people who are out there who are programmers who who enjoy doing this kind of stuff or maybe want to help out where can somebody reach you in order to start picking out the code they just go to github and just pick a module and just start coding it and just submit it is that all they have to do yep basically they, they can just create what's called a fork of uh, software mm-hmm. you can do that on github you just have to click one button and you'll kind of have your own version of it and then you can make changes and uh, just submit these changes through github 
and then I can merge them in the software and they get accepted. And for help, uh, if some people need help with the development, they just can just join the, the Discord, and I'm happy to, to help them do what they want. Excellent. And what we'll do is I'll put a link to the GitHub and also to the Discord server in the session notes for today's podcast so that uh, people can go ahead and just join both those groups. And again, too, you're also on Twitter, too, right, where people, I mean, that's you, you, you show a lot of updates and enhancements and what you've been doing over there. And we'll also put the Twitter link also in the um, in the show notes today. But if somebody just wants to uh, grab it right now, I know it's a little bit uh, crazy with the letters, but you want to give out your uh, Twitter handle? Yeah, it's just uh, twitter.com slash riser. It's, it's really bad spelling, so I think a link would probably be easier. Excellent. But, okay, yeah. we'll put the link in, or I'll, I'll spell it out phonetically in the in the, uh, the post roll here as well. So, so Alex, you've also got a Patreon set up as well. And again, people who listen to the Scan School podcast are pretty familiar with Patreon, how it helps support month over month people's um, to help fund projects and stuff like this. So you also have Patreon set up. So why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can help support you and support the project. If they can't support you with coding, how else can they help support SDR++? Yep. So if they, if they can just uh, join patrons, I have uh, several tiers and simply starting $5, you'll get um, a Discord role. And if you, if you don't have some higher tiers, you, you'll even get some uh, early demos for some modules that I haven't published yet. I, I don't have some right now, but in the future, there will be. Uh, so yeah, you can just join Patreon. It helps a lot with buying hardware that I can't get from companies or just getting some antennas and making the, the project easier as a student. Yep, excellent. And it also helps you buy a cup of coffee to stay up late to do the coding and, and stuff yep, like exactly. that. So, <laughs> that's excellent. So again, that's one thing you touched on too right there really quick was the Discord server role, which was, again is something that I, I have been watching closely with how people work as well. Again, Signals Everywhere does it in, in their Discord and you're doing it in your Discord is when somebody hits a certain tier in Patreon, they get certain elevated levels over on the Discord server, which then gives them the ability to have private groups and private rooms to talk to other people who are also Patreon supporters as well. So again, that's that's one of the tier benefits that you get. So, But again, I mean, nothing says thank you like a cup of coffee or getting dinner on a late night type of thing. You know, it, it just helps to do that and to just to have a backer out there really does help keep pushing you forward, right? Because there's not there's no other type of momentum and 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 support when it comes into it like that. And again, you deserve it as well. And you also said too, you know, early modules, which is great. So if somebody wants the bleeding edge version of S SDR plus plus, they're able to get it before the general public, before it gets released. So that's well, also it's, one it's of the actually uh, it's already released because uh the code's open source. It's just that I can give some pre build versions and maybe gotcha. some code that I haven't yet pushed because it's just a okay. test. So for example the um, NOAA decoder will be posted by that to my Patreon soon. Nice. So yeah. Okay, so then before it hits the GitHub, you'll you'll get a copy of it. So thanks for clarifying that. So excellent. So again, we'll put a link again with everything else too on how um how we can uh, support Alex on Patreon and, and help keep pushing uh, SDR plus plus. But listen, Alex, I want to thank you very much for taking the time today to go through your your passion project, right? And again, that's what really makes the hobby like this so so cool when it comes to radio and scanning because again. 
you and I live in two different worlds, right? I'm more into the scanner radio, the hardware stuff, but scanner radio ties into software-defined radio. We've been spending the last few weeks on the podcast talking about software-defined radio, and your introduction to radio happened to come through software-defined radio. So everybody's kind of coming in together, right, into this SDR world. I mean, again, I've said it before in the past. I think this is definitely where the scanner radio hobby is is progressing into is the world of SDRs. And you just happen to be one of these people that are, is working right on this project itself. So um, is there anything else that you think that we've skipped over that you'd want to bring up or, or where, where are we in your book? We doing, we're okay. To be honest, I, I think uh, pretty much covered everything. So yeah. Excellent. Well, Alex, I want to, I want to thank you again for for being on here and uh taking the time because i know it's a a bit of a time shift so it's what it's got to be early evening where you're at right now on a saturday so it's 5 p.m 5 p.m and i got 11 11 over here a.m so uh you'll be splitting for dinner and i'll be splitting for lunch but uh but again we'll put all the links to where people can find sdr plus plus where they can find you on twitter so they can follow your updates there as well we'll put links to the discord server in the session notes as well and also, if I didn't say it already, the GitHub. I think that was that covers everything as well. So again, Alex, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing what uh, SDR plus plus can bring to the hobby. Yep, thanks for having me on. Okay, thanks again, Alex. Thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your background with Software Defined Radios and your project SDR plus plus. In our session notes, we will have links to Alex's Twitter account so you can follow the updates on his project, the GitHub link so you can download the software, and also links to his Discord and his Patreon pages where you can help support the project. We will also include some tutorials in our premium SDR course, which will release shortly. And if you're interested in software-defined radios, you may sign up for our free SDR training course at courses.scannerschool.com or by checking out March's webinar at scannerschool.com slash webinar. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast and share your scanner radio or even your software-defined radio projects or background or whatever it is you're working on, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Go to scannerschool.com and click on the guest button at the top of the screen to schedule a conversation with between me, you, and everybody else who's listening to the podcast. So again, you can download all the session notes at scannerschool.com slash session 169. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your podcast player. Or if you're listening to us on YouTube, click on the subscribe button and the bell notification so that you are aware of when we drop another podcast, which is usually every Tuesday. Knock on wood, I've been making it every Tuesday since session one. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and you know somebody else will benefit from hearing it, please forward it to them. Our goal, our mission is to help people with the scanner radio hobby, and we can only help more people if you share the podcast with more people. So, again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next week, 73.